Hey everybody, Andrew here with some breaking news before we start the show. Carlos and I recorded a huge hand-for-hand review of my deep run in the recent $10 million guaranteed Venom tournament on America's Card Room. This thing is more than 11 hours of deep strategy content, and we cover absolutely everything. Game theory, making reads, exploiting, three-betting, defending the big blind, bluff-catching, hero-folding, bet-sizing, ICM, truly everything there is to know about tournament poker. It's all in there, and of course, lots of laughs as we recorded it as well so you can have fun while you learn alongside us this week only you can take 25 percent off when you use discount code venompod at checkout so head over to www.nitcast.net n-i-t-c-a-s-t.net add the venom review to your cart and use code venompod v-e-n-o-m-p-o-d at checkout Also, just in case any of you don't know, the fourth person you're going to hear on this upcoming interview is Nate Mavis, who was my first co-host on this show before Carlos took over. So thanks for your patience and enjoy the show. Danger is stealing in as relapse sums above the den. It's hard to know. Hello and welcome to episode 384 of the Thinking Poker Podcast. From Winchester, Massachusetts, I'm Nate Mavis. From Owings Mills, Maryland, I'm Andrew Brokus. From Las Vegas, Nevada, I'm Carlos Welch. And from Greensboro, North Carolina, I am Alex Jacob. Alex, thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Andrew and, and, uh, and Nate and Carlos. So I guess at this point, you're you're more famous as a Jeopardy champion, but uh, you actually go go way back with former Thinking Poker co-host Nate Mavis as, as a poker player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, we we uh, played many a game together um, at, uh, at college. And yeah, Alex has won a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of money from me. Yeah, it's uh, so the, the, the power ranking. Oh, well, I don't know. If it was so one sided. <laughs> I think we both did okay in that game. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a tough. It was a tough game, though, as college games go, for sure. As college games go. That was it. Was one of the toughest round, I think. It's been twenty years, and Alex is still stringing the fish along. No, no, you held your own, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. Just bad luck. Just bad luck. Yeah. No, I mean, I was starting to feel like the fish by the end with uh, with Vanessa playing and um, Vanessa selves and. Uh, you know, Ariel was so it was really good at that point. Yeah. And uh yeah. It was uh, a tough game. Yeah. Good, good learning experience. There's some of my very, very best memories of college. And like you're right, I think um I think a lot of us learned a lot in that game. Was that uh, was that the origin, Alex, of your your poker playing, or were you already a poker player prior to uh meeting this this um nursery of poker talent? <laughs> More or less, I played a little bit in high school, 
it kind of started actually, you know, a group of friends, we would play blackjack actually. So we just kind of started as gambling. And then eventually um, I saw rounders and uh, poker got added to the mix and then it kind of became a poker game. And I was actually hosting games at my house for a time and, and uh, uh, people, uh, people with lost more money than you would expect for a high school game a couple of times. And those, those games could get kind of crazy too. But uh, yeah, I mean, for the most, I mean, I was a pretty, I was still pretty green. I would say, you know, um, before at that point, before uh, before playing at Yale. So, did you all just kind of like teach each other how to play? Was that the the process, or just like um, discover the game together? I mean, like, or what, what was your your process of, of learning? Well, the game I, I think for me personally. Um, it would uh, it, it was big part of it was uh, two plus two internet forums and and just reading other people talking about playing hands and different stuff posting every once in a while myself um, uh, that that was a that was a big part of my learning experience I mean you know yeah I mean definitely there's some sense of learning from everyone else but and you know never any point where we would like sit and and talk strategy really at least in uh in those days in in, in the high school games or even really i feel like we did, nate do you remember was there a lot of strategy i mean i think we mostly yeah. just kind of showed up and played i mean everyone there was some talk i guess definitely between like, hands and stuff like definitely when we went to gourmet heaven which was a sandwich shop that was open all night and for <laughs> sure yeah, they and, uh, they 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 took a lot of money off of poker players in in their own way. Um, but like we would definitely like chat about it, and some of us were friends who would talk about poker like independently. Um, but like I don't know, like there was casual talk about the game in the way that there always is at a poker table. But I wouldn't say that was like a strategy club. I mean. Yeah, because it's tough when we're playing against each other. So yeah, it's exactly. like you don't you only want to share so much. I feel like everyone is like doing their own little learning experience on their own, and that you know there's some talk amongst friends. But at the end, we're also still playing for not not huge money, but what was it, fifty cent a dollar? No yeah, limit, was, was it? Yeah, fifty cent a dollar played pretty big though. So yeah, so you could lose, yeah, I mean you could you could lose a couple hundred bucks like no problem, oh, very, very very easily very, or very, more. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, looking back, I think the interesting pattern is that like the weaker or, or mediocre players in that game, and I would like count myself as one of those, were doing more learning by playing and thinking over the table. Um, whereas the people who were like really, really getting better faster were doing more on two plus two and more of like their own research and also more playing online and like sort of being more aggressive about playing sort of tougher and, and, and higher games online uh, then using the Trumbull game as a sort of laboratory to test out new things or think about ideas or whatever. Is that, is that fair? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think so. I, I myself, I, that kind of became my life senior year was just playing online really. And I didn't uh, kind of backed away from the, the live game a little bit was just kind of grinding. The, this was the party poker, um, kind of heyday of the no limit games that were pretty pretty soft in those days so i was kind of just grinding those games all day um rather than play the live game so much what year was this um uh, so it's 
this is 2006 is when I graduated. So, so around then 2005, 2006 is probably when I was playing the most in those, um, no limit games on, on a party. Like I, I definitely a long remember. time ago. <laughs> yeah. I definitely remember like sweating you in the five K heads ups from like the basement. Yeah. Those, those, those two, those, those were, those were crazy. I probably, you know, I guess there's every point in like a poker player's, uh, life or a lot of a lot of guys you play big enough at some point that you, that you look back and like oh, I probably shouldn't have necessarily <laughs> been playing that big I yeah. probably shouldn't have been playing that game but yeah, yeah like five thousand dollar heads up Cinegos on Poker Stars I was also playing those and kind of just like grinding out a, you know a small edge and uh, yeah. d- certainly didn't have the bankroll to be playing five thousand dollar heads up Cinegos but it was just like well I'm up a certain amount and you know why not it's house money right I'll just keep yeah. keep uh, I feel like I kind of have you kind of have, you kind of feel like you have a bead on certain, feel like you have a certain a read on certain guys. And I mean, when those I mean, guys I, sit, you try to try to go against those. Yeah. Those I mean, can I share this? I remember I was like working on some paper or something, but I had instant messenger open. I think this would have been AOL instant messenger. And like, you just popped up and you like, you said like, Hey, you know, I'm playing a 5k. I was like, what? He said, he said, Oh yeah. They'll, you know, this guy teacup poker is sitting. I think, you know, I feel like I have an edge. So why not? And that was that. I don't know. I mean, we can edit out that name if you want, but like 20 years later, I doubt you're. Yeah, no, I mean, to be honest, I barely even, barely rings a bell to me. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) I wonder if you remember what his name was. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. uh, You know, a couple guys were in those games. I remember that turned out to be big names. Uh, Nick Shulman, I played with a lot. Uh, He was was the takeover back then. Bryn Kenny was in and out of those games. I remember he was just go. I think he was, he was just Bryn Kenny on there. And, uh, yeah, was, oh, Elkie. Elkie was, was a big one that was playing those, the heads up, sit and goes. Yeah. I played him a ton. Bertrand, uh, Grispellier. But yeah, those, those are crazy games. Olivier Bousquet maybe would have been in there also, or did he come around later? Yeah, I think he maybe. I don't know if I played him. I think he might have been a little later. Live um, B, I think, was the screen name. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. In those big um, full tilt games, right? I think that might have been like a little after. I might have been uh, playing live mostly by this point. Yeah, when he was around. It, it's funny hearing you talk about, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been playing that big because my experience, I mean, I started around the same time that, that you all did and was also playing on Stars and Party at that time. And I was so intimidated by those higher stakes games. I was so anyone playing poker for a thousand dollars must be so good. And, you know, looking back, of course, they, they weren't and I probably was better than they were. Uh, I mean, it still might have been the right like bankroll decision, but um, I, I was very like reluctant to, to move up in stakes. Um, hashtag Nick Kest. Just... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, it feels to me like kind of a, a lost opportunity when I hear people reminisce about those games now. I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have been so so nitty about like taking shots in, in bigger games. But just like the idea of of losing, you know, hundreds, or let alone like thousands of dollars at poker at that time was um, just like mind boggling to me. Yeah, no, I mean there were it, it, it there were tough days for sure playing those five <laughs> games because they got to a certain point where I was up a certain amount and I was more comfortable playing you know, a lot back to back. And then all of a sudden you have a day where you're, you, you know, you lose 60 K cause you're down, you, you know, you went three and 15 in the five K heads of Cinegos. You're like, Holy shit. You know, <laughs> um, 
yeah for the record that's still worse than any day i've had i mean unless you count like i've lost more than that in tournament equity but like in actual dollars yeah 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 no i mean it it was it was you know it was a crazy stake to it's just like well you know you're young and you have you know you have the money and you have no fear so it's just kind of one of those things it's probably you know a game I would never play today, even if I felt like I had an edge, you know, it's just the, the variance of it. But um, yeah, anyway, it, it was a, it was a fun, it was a fun times. So you mentioned that you would kind of started playing live by the time uh, the like full tilt uh, heads up games that had taken over. What was, what was the input? I mean, if you were winning online, what was the impetus for going live? Uh, well, I had uh, kind of, I I guess, you know, somewhat of just the dream of like, uh, you know, Vegas and, and, and the fucking Mirage, you know, you know, the rounder, the whole rounder's <laughs> right. dream type, type, type uh, um, you know, I, I had uh, played some tournaments and, and, and hadn't had success. And then, and then pretty early, I did have like a final table at Foxwoods that, you know, put me well in the black. And now, now I feel like, um, all right, well, now it's off to the races, you know, for, for, uh, it's time to play some tournaments. So, uh, you know, I kind of focused on, on that more and tried to, um, play the circuit and travel around and, um, to, uh, you know, to, to some success and, and, and some, some, uh, some failure, but, um, that was kind of my plan at the time. And of course, uh, also around that time, kind of, you know, uh, the UIGA hit or whatever, and, and it didn't go into effect immediately, but it was kind of, kind of had the idea that online might be going away anyway. So I was like, okay, well, might as well focus on this. Yeah. I guess you lost access to party at that time anyway. And, um, right. Mansion right. poker, you can play on mansion poker anymore. <laughs> I don't know. That, that was just a random. I was just trying to think of some of the other like random little sites that, that disappeared at the yeah, time. Planet Poker was that one? Yeah. Planet yeah. Poker was real. Planet Poker was like the very first one. Even um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yes, I think they, they did also disappear with the with the UIG. So were you like fully a professional poker player for a while? That was like your uh that was your, your income and how yes. you were spending your time? Yes. How long did that last? Pro, I guess you would say, you know, somewhere in the when I stopped playing tournaments around. I mean, I guess twenty twelve ish, twenty eleven, somewhere around there. So you know, some some somewhere from like uh, two thousand five six to to then. So that was just like from, yeah. from the moment you graduated. That's what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pretty much um, moved to Vegas straight from uh, from college. Yeah, did okay in the first World Series and kind of yeah, it was kind of boosted from that. Yep. Yeah. Was that like a conscious um, sort of I want to do this for X years, or was it just you know I'll, I'll take a run at this and and see how it goes? Like what was what was the the, the choice of going pro? I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like let's let's try to take a run at this, and you know, I'm kind of young and and have the chance now to you know and 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 this is kind of you know what i want to do and i am up a certain amount and uh already and yeah let's see if i can make a go at this you know essentially and playing mostly tournaments or 
uh, mix? Playing multi tournaments, yeah. I mean, um, you know, some cash games here or there at, at the at the events, of course, but um, mostly trying to travel around, play the WPTs. I mean, at that point, it was kind of like a different. Well, maybe it's not so different as it is now, but there was kind of like a 10k every month or so that everyone traveled to and played. Yeah, I remember those um, those WPTs used to be 10k buy-ins, and then they have since scaled that back. Where I think they're right, like right, two right. or three 10ks a year now. Right, right. What um, brought you out of it? Like, why, why, uh, why only until 2012? Uh, well, I mean, I just I got to a certain point where I, you know, I just didn't necessarily feel like I was playing that well. Uh, you know, my results, you know, were not great. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just it comes to a point where you, I, I, I kind of, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, it's kind of cliche to say like I was burned out or something like that. But uh, maybe I kind of lost the love of it a little bit and, and kind of. Um, you know, it was a combination of, you know, a combination of things It obviously had gotten more competitive and, um, yeah, I just wasn't, I guess I just wasn't happy with how things were going with my play and kind of felt like I needed to scale back. You could have started and a podcast. Up getting a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably should, you know, if I, if I had known uh, yeah, how big podcasts would know. Um, yeah, I ended up getting an opportunity at trading in Chicago. So I ended up taking that job and move, and uh, that was kind of my life for for a little while. So that's what happened with that. How similar did you find that to, to poker? Like, I feel like that's been um, maybe even a little bit less so now than, than I used to hear it. But I, I said that used to be kind of pitched as a very natural transition from oh, if you're a poker player, you'll you'll fit right in uh, trading. Was that is that how you found it? Um, yes and no. I, I, I think that was probably a good part of why I was hired for it. And, um, it's definitely, um, you know, the, the, the mindset of, of a poker player, kind of like a, a probabilistic mindset of, of, uh, where you, the way you, um, look at things and, um, kind of recognizing patterns and you know just being able to have a bad day and shake it off or kind of having the sense of that you're having a great day and and to push push your edges and um yeah i mean there's you know obviously it's kind of uh applied to a whole different kind of game you could say than um than poker um but uh yeah i think there's a lot of parallels you know I, I see that. I also wonder. I mean, a, a bad day trading is a good deal worse than than a bad day playing poker, right? Like, how how much of a um, how much did you still have to, I guess, acclimate yourself to? Um. Well, I mean, I didn't have any days as bad trading as I did playing poker, so I guess huh. it was. Maybe I misunderstood the uh, the stakes. Well. There's levels to this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. They didn't uh, necessarily give me the keys to the kingdom uh, right away. I was kind of more of an entry-level type um, situation. Um, But the good part about uh, that is that, you know, it was was somewhat less pressure, you could say, in that it's not 
my money that you know i have this job where i'm but obviously you don't feel good about losing the, the firm's money and you know you, you know if you do that too often you know you're not going to keep your job and i guess that's what ended up happening with me so <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so i mean i as far as that part of it you know i guess poker was a good preparation and that i feel like i you know i wasn't you know i wasn't necessarily rattled mentally i was there it's just market is just tough you know i mean i had good days and bad and you know i didn't i guess i never got to a point um where i was consistent enough obviously where i'm you know obviously if i was if i had been completely crushing um the currency markets i would be still doing that and making a million dollars a year, but that didn't happen. So it's, it was, I found it tough, but you know, it was, it was a good challenge. How did Jeopardy come into the picture? Um, that was kind of something that I had always wanted to do. I've kind of always been like a big trivia guy. What does that look like? A a big trivia guy like you did? Did you do the quiz bowl as a, um, uh, a youngster. I didn't really go to a school that had quiz bowl. I would have loved to do it. I guess, uh, you know, I guess I was, you know, I guess I should say I always liked trivia. I guess, I guess maybe a big trivia guy isn't really accurate. I always liked trivia. I like knowing stuff. I liked, you know, playing trivia games, liked watching Jeopardy. You know, my mom would always have it on, like to hear her answer questions and answer questions with her. And, I just kind of looked at it as, you know, I seen it as something that could be taken on, you know, that kind of, there's kind of like a somewhat limited um, set of information that they're asking about now. Uh, you know, it's obviously a vast, vast amount of information, but it is finite and you can kind of tackle it a certain way, you know, how, you know, what have they asked about? all the presidents, what have they asked about Hamlet? You know, you can kind of learn the stuff that you need to know. And I, you know, I I kind of had it as a goal one day to try to prepare for it and try to, because I just felt like if you could go in and be ready and be really good, you know, be ready to play, you could, you could make, you could make a lot of money. I mean, obviously um, it's kind of, it's kind of bittersweet every time um, one of these new people, new champions, like um, does really well because it kind of confirms, you know, I I didn't um, I uh, didn't quite do, you know, go on the long long streak, but it, but it also kind of confirms that it was, you know, the upside was there, that it was possible, that it was kind of worth the worth the try, you know. Obviously, I can't complain about you know how I did on the show or anything like that, but but. Um, just saying, um, you know, it just it 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 was something that I always had wanted to do, and I had prepared for it. You know, just studying past games for years, and uh, eventually just got the call. Kind of around that time, I think it was 2015 that uh, got the call to me on the show. So it was around the time I was still working in Chicago at that time. So you very much approached it from the perspective of like, this is a, this is a thing. I mean, not gaming it. Like, obviously that's, that is the skill is like knowing the information, but you very much approached it as like, okay, how can I, um, how can I like take this thing apart and, and maximize my edge? 
Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, I, in fact, I had, I had begged off of, of taking the test for years because I had, I, I knew that I was kind of good enough to barely pass, but I didn't feel like I was nearly good enough to win or, or, or win a lot. So I kind of wanted to, I was kind of a feared, um, taking the test and getting the call when I wasn't ready yet. So I kind of, I had waited for uh, several years before I actually felt like I was okay. I had, I've learned a lot, like going, you know, just in my spare time, reading past games and, and learning the information that, that you need to know. And now I feel like I'm ready. And um, yeah, I definitely had the mindset of not just being happy to be there. Um, I wanted to feel like, that I could go on a big, a long run, you know, the, um, from day one when I stepped in the studio. Did you get the impression that you were a lot more prepared than your competitors? Like, did you get the impression that the people that you were competing against had thought about their, you know, wagering strategy and, and things like that, in addition to just studying the, the trivia side of things? Like, that they were approaching it as, as a game in the same way that you were? Um, some people for sure, but definitely not. I mean, by and large, no. I mean, I mean, well, first of all, it would be like you would be hard pressed to have been more prepared than me. So we won't use me as the standard, but definitely like you definitely get the sense. I get the sense uh, from the from from the people that I was in contact with and, and kind of in general that. You know, it's kind of a lark for a lot of people, and there's that's nothing. There's nothing against. No, I have nothing against it. Nothing. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, it's it's a. There's the, in other words, there's no. I, I wouldn't judge anybody for not like taking Jeopardy seriously enough. You know, <laughs> obviously, if you just want, it, it, you know, it, it, it's an accomplishment to get on. A lot of people, you know, I, I I feel like kind of go in with the knowledge that they have, and that's enough to get them on, and they kind of feel like, you know, they watch the game at home. They kind of see people go down the order and they, they don't really think much about how exactly they're going to play. They just figure they'll, they just figure that they're happy to be there. It was, it was a good, you know, experience getting there and, and, and that's nothing wrong with that. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but I definitely feel like if you are willing to put in the preparation, you can have an edge over people I also feel like wagering strategy is a tough one to, even if people wanted to um, prepare for it, it's, it's a, it's kind of a tough thing to wrap your head around for some people. And that's another, that's one thing that, you know, having a poker background can kind of, because those, those kind of decisions kind of come naturally to you. And it's pretty simple um, kind of math decisions most of the time. Yeah, I think just like thinking in, in terms of, of EV and, and not having loss aversion, I would imagine, or maybe even thinking some about um, the score you're trying to end up with or where you need to be relative to other people rather than just scaling based on like your confidence in the, in the category or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Definitely. Wagering based on the scoreboard is a big thing. It's very easy to... At least I think the natural thing for a lot of people is they'll get the daily double and they're like, oh, I feel medium about this. So I'll bet a medium number, 3,000. You know, it's, it's kind of like you said, exactly. It's the same way people value that in poker. 
Yeah, you're right. I guess so. Right. Exactly. So yeah, if you're more, more of a, um, focused, you know, approach to exactly what score you need to get to like, well, am I way behind? Like maybe I need to bet it all here. Or if, you know, can I put this game away? Like maybe, maybe I should bet it all. Or, you know, am I 80% to 90% to get this question right? Maybe I should just bet it all for EV reasons, right? Even if it's early in the game and there's not a scoreboard consideration, you know, but, but another thing um, that helps with poker is I think people are naturally like, kind of unwilling to go down to zero so they they don't want to bet at all or they don't want to bet a big amount they don't you know that sting of, of losing is 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 kind of tough to deal with no rebars in jeopardy yeah exactly exactly yeah, I wanted to give you guys a chance. I'm I'm by far the least trivia guy on this on this call right now. So Nate or Carlos, if you all have uh, Jeopardy or, or trivia related uh, things, please do chime in. I mean, I'm curious about self improvement and just like how you went about studying. I, I have a vivid memory of either you you or your wife tweeting out a photo of you with what looks to be like an index flashcard. Um, but you hear about people prepping for Jeopardy in a lot of ways. Uh, what what did you do? You know, it's it started with really just going through past games and basically just kind of like making a note of any time, any question I did not know, any 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 entry, any any uh, person, place or thing that I was not aware of or, or fact that I that I missed, you know, it would just go down in a, in a notepad on my computer and um you know, eventually I would have a, a, a long, you know, this is kind of like a, obviously a, somewhat of a rudimentary way of doing things, but, you know, after, after a while I had a, had a big uh, list of things and I would just kind of go back, back over that, you know, eventually it, it um, I would make flashcards. I think that's probably what you're referencing. Um, there are different flashcard programs out there that you can feed the facts into and, and, um, doing cool things with, I guess they call it spaced repetition where it kind of peppers you with the, the, the questions that you need to know. I know um, you're working on something in that area and we can talk about that. Um, yeah. I mean, not, not really ready to talk about it, but I'm, it's, a, it's something that I'm curious about. And it's definitely like, like I, I, I use space repetition a lot and I used my, I use space repetition software. I built myself because I like it better. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's basically like you, you kind of need to see something like four or five times before you really remember it, you know, maybe even more than that, you know, that's kind of the principle behind it. A lot of times, a lot of times you, you, you hear something new, you're like, Oh, that's, you know, I won't forget that. But really like, (laughs) I will, I will invariably forget it, you know, until, you know, until, until, until the fourth, fifth, sixth time I've seen it, like, then it finally starts to stick and maybe I'll start to get it right. But yeah. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about school of trivia? Yeah, for sure. Um, So uh, what it is, is uh, a newsletter basically trivia league. So um, you get five questions sent to your email every Monday through Friday um, on a different theme every, every day. And um, there's a link to submit your answers. And the, the game of it is there are five questions and you have to assign confidence points to from one to five on um, 
which answers you think you know the best. So it's it's pretty simple, but um, when uh, you know when you're between different questions that you're guessing on and you're not sure how many points to put on them, you know it can get a little tricky. But uh, basically, you get your score based on um, your confidence points five, four, three, two, one, and which questions you get right. And uh, you you take that score up against everyone in your division. And there's a whole scoring system and the whole nine yards. But um, yeah, it's going pretty well. Uh, people are, have uh, really been touched and overwhelmed by uh, the, the good feedback, the great feedback everyone's been giving me. So um, happy about that. So yeah, it's going well. So it's not so much a... Um a way to learn trivia as something like a competition for people who are already fairly good at trivia. Well, you know what I should say, um, actually it's, I should really say it's kind of a newsletter combined with a, with a, uh, with a, with a quiz because each, each quiz is kind of inspired by an entry. Like for instance, this week is all about horses so one quiz was um, inspired by the horse Man of War, the racehorse. So mm-hmm. the fun fact about Man of War is that he only lost one race. He won 20 of his 21 races, right? But the only race that Man of War ever lost was to a horse um, fittingly named Upset. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they actually, the term upset had been in, in use before this, so this wasn't the origin of the term, but um, I thought that was a pretty fun fact. So um, that quiz was about um, famous upsets. So it kind of, there, like, um, actually, I would say something like 10 to 15% of the subscribers don't actually play in the league. They just um, follow along with the newsletter and... Um, and you know read it that way and 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 don't actually play so you so like i i I would like to think it is a way to learn and also a a competition you know And, and i feel like the questions you really remember the most are the ones that you you know, get wrong in a competition setting. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, that's, that yeah. extra sting that, that, that um, <laughs> makes it stick in your brain just a little bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had a recent quote uh, with Andrew uh, in reference to poker where I said, the pain is where the learning happens. And yeah, it's funny that that happens in trivia also. Yeah, yeah. A longstanding curiosity of mine, and this goes back you know, a long way. In, in high school, I was about as big of a quiz bowl geek as it was possible for a human to be. And I was into it for a while in college until poker happened. Then that was pretty much the end of, of quiz ball for a while. But, you know, trivia generally, I've been struck by how little innovation there is in it. Like quiz ball looks basically the same as it did 20 years ago. And even then it looked basically the same as it did 10 and 15 years before that. And there's been like a little bit of change here and there. And I think the quality has improved a lot, but the format is basically okay. You, know, you go to like bar trivia around the country. It looks kind of the same everywhere. Uh, but now like learned league has a, a, a pretty new format. Like it has a different format. You know, your thing is school of trivia has, um, a pretty, you know, it, at least I, I view it as like somewhat innovative. Like a, do you think there's a lot of room well, innovation in trivia games and B, do you think we're actually going to see innovation? 
It's interesting. It's um, it's an interesting question. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, first like, of all, I'll, I'll let you think. Let, like, let's let's think about poker for a second. We're like poker players are like desperate to change poker. You know, let's do this. You know, I'll lay you six to five. You know, sure. Somebody shows up, add an extra seat to the game. You know, what if uh, everything's res doogie? You know, like what if you know super everything? Uh, yeah, and, and like. For right. something that's like pretty hard to change, and there are like laws around it, and you also have to keep recreational players happy, and that's like another source of inertia. But we still had like really a lot of innovation. But then you have like trivia that's just trivia, there's not really any money involved. Most people who do it are pretty serious about it, and you have like almost no innovation. <laughs> and I've never really understood why that is. What do you think? Well, I mean, there have been certain attempts you know there was is things like hq trivia that there's kind of you know yeah a free free prize model there's there's other apps um there was fleetwit that i was working with for a while that uh, is no longer but um that was kind of um more of on more of like a poker um kind of trivia sit and go trivia tournament um type app situation and there and there's there might be a couple more of those existing still i guess they've tried different things like that um there was a period for a couple years where a lot of the you know it was kind of the heyday of those trivia apps and they they just kind of seemed seems like it was short-lived i guess i mean it's it's a hard thing to make money back at. And I think a lot of those were like VC backed and they were good right. unless they turned into like really big things. So like, I sort of understand why there's only one Jeopardy. I guess the chase is a bit popular and I really like that show, but I guess just sort of in the world of people doing trivia for fun, like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about school of trivia, but it strikes me as more of a passion slash lifestyle project or, or like small business and not like uh, something that you've gotten $10 million of funding for. And you're going to try to, you know, get, whatever 10,000 or zillions of, of people for um, like in this world of, of like very passionate people who just like really, really like trivia competitions. Why is there so little innovation there? I guess is what I'm curious about. I don't know. I mean, I, I've tried to kind of create something new. I basically tried to create something that, you know, essentially I wish existed when I was preparing for the show, something that's kind of focused on, um, the kind of content that comes up on uh, game shows, uh, you know, Jeopardy specifically. And at least for me, I, I create, I feel like I did create kind of like a new a format for a game that doesn't exist, that didn't exist previously, but it's not the most, you know, it's not the most wild, uh, inno innovative thing ever. Um, I think other people, you know, I think they're, they're actually other there's definitely other leagues out there you know it's not just learned league and me obviously there's there's other leagues out there that are doing different things with trivia um as, as far as that kind of thing there's you know there's kind of zoom team trivia competitions and um other leagues that are similar to mine that you know, there are individual leagues that are similar to mine so there's some stuff out there i think learned league became so big that i think it has inspired people like me um other people as well to you know to tr to try to 
make something that, you know, that people would like as well, you know? Yeah. Nate, I wonder if, um, so it sounds like you might be thinking of something that is more, um, broad based. Like, um, I'm thinking of one innovation of the past couple of years was, um, something called trivia crack. That was an, an app that, uh, that was like, you know, pretty, like, I definitely saw people playing that, that I wouldn't see at bar trivia. So it became, um, like a bigger um, customer base. Is that the sort of thing you're thinking about, Nate? Yeah. Yeah. And it could be that I'm just wrong and I've been too busy programming computers to <laughs> pay attention to what's going on. Like that's, that's, that's totally possible. Yeah. I feel like trivia crack was pretty big for a while. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely. We're talking about a order of magnitude, large, larger user base. We're talking about something like that for sure. I think they, they, um, he ended up doing a Netflix show recently too. I never checked that out, but I think they got something on there. Yeah, I guess a um, good analogy would be that trivia crack was kind of like Zynga to poker, where it was something that like maybe your mom might play on Facebook, um, but she would never play on Poker Stars. Right. And when I when I was teaching, I had students in my class who were not the best students. So like they would not consider themselves like high academic achievers, but they seem to love trivia crack. So just the way they gamified it. And yeah, uh, yeah, that, that seemed to really work. I, I was going to ask if like bar trivia or those kinds of like very casual trivia, um, maybe that's not always casual, but like if that holds any appeal for you, because, you know, I sometimes have had non-poker friends be like, oh, hey, we're having a poker night. Like you should come play with us. And I'm like, that's a terrible idea for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if like that's your reaction to bar trivia or is like is trivia still, is it is it like fun for you or have you professionalized it to a point where it's not really a recreational activity? Um, it's still fun, you know, especially bar trivia in particular, if there's enough money on the line and in Chicago in particular, um, I, I missed some, uh, some spots there that, that gave away crazy money, like, like, like $200 for first at one place. It was, we, we would win that like a fair amount. That was pretty, pretty good deal. And that was cash. That was uh, uh, like bar. bar yeah. Cash. Yeah. Yeah. Straight cash. It was, that was insane. I, I don't know how they could make that work, but I guess they were getting enough people in the door for, for it to make sense. You know, it, it's, it's still, it's always fun. You know, it, it, I guess it depends on really, um, the level of it, you know, how it's written, you know, for me, it's kind of maybe even a little bit paradoxical, but it, if I'm, if it's, if I'm getting too many, right, like that's when it's not fun anymore. You know, if I, you know, if it's, if it's, if for me, if it's, if, if I know all the answers, you know, great, I won, but it's like, okay, I didn't learn anything. You know, I would rather, I would honestly rather, you know, do terrible and, and learn a bunch of new things than, uh, than get all the questions right. Not, you know, obviously winning is always fun. You know, ideally I would learn, I would learn something and still win. You know, I guess that, that, that's the, uh, that's the sweet spot. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it just depends. Obviously, you know, it could always go the other way if some, you know, if it's something is just, so obscure and you just feel like okay is it why is this even worth my time learning this this is so obscure you know uh, some like a tiny minuscule plot detail on a tv show or something something so, someone goes that 
that difficult on something, then that can be, you know, that can be, that can put you off too. But uh, in general, as, as long as I'm learning something, then it's then it's usually fun. What makes for, I mean, aside from just being like a appropriate level of difficulty, what do you think of as a good trivia question? Well, I, I would think it's, to me, uh, my favorite questions are the ones that kind of feels like you should know the answer, but you, maybe you don't necessarily know it, you know, or uh, another way to make a good question is something with a, you know, a hint or, you know, a clue that can make you back into the answer, even if you didn't necessarily know it. Those are, I guess those are the two main things that make a good trivia question. What else? I mean, yeah, basically just like ideally, you know, when, when they hear the answer, it's like, Oh, that makes sense. Or, you know, sense of um, some kind of sense of, of being glad you, you learned it versus um it's like okay why would i need you know why would i care about that you know did you uh, throw your hat in the ring to take over hosting jeopardy <laughs> um yeah well i mean i i was not i was not i was not i was not asked so um yeah sure i mean yeah i theoretically threw my hat in the ring but no i was I was not asked and did not necessarily not, did not expect to be asked, but uh, I'm always flattered. You know, I was, I was surprised that people seem to um, expect that I would have been asked or, or suggest that I, I should have gotten the shot. And uh, I, I'm always surprised by that because I don't know. I, I, I don't think I necessarily have the uh, Q rating or the, the uh, have the, have the fame to, uh, the uh at the level of uh getting a getting a shot of hosting jeopardy but i appreciate the uh the vote of confidence everybody so the the immediate impetus for you doing this show i think you had tweeted something about like what which poker podcasts should i do are you um are you like making an active effort to to get back into poker um not really um I think I probably tweeted which podcast should I do. Oh, okay. That's correct to you. Um, well, that, it's uh, an important distinction given my so question. No, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not necessarily um, trying to go on all the poker podcasts. I've been on a lot of trivia podcasts recently. Um, I guess that is more of a focus um, as far as what I am, but I'm, ha- but, I'm but I was on a, um, I was on a Weird Al podcast. Where I, where I ranked um, ranked songs on a on a Weird Al album, so I, I'm basically uh, if any any podcast hosts are uh, listening to this, I'm open to uh, any any podcast appearances. Um, although <laughs> I, I may not have inspired you to book me on a podcast by uh, by what you've heard so far, but uh... what's the most underrated Weird Al song? The most underrated Weird Al song. Well, I mean, I will stick to the one album I was tasked with uh, ranking on the, on this podcast episode that I mentioned. But um, it's a song called um, Frank's Three Thousand Inch TV, um, and it's 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 one of his original songs. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good one. Frank's Two Thousand Inch TV. Check that one out. <laughs> 
it's just uh it's kind of like a it's kind of a sound alike to like early rem if you like that music but uh, i think um that's my answer for that what what's the name of that album Alapalooza. Yeah, I had that one as a kid, and um, I had it too. <laughs> <laughs> it was fu- funny because I I encountered a lot of popular music through weird. I it's probably not that that weird of an experience, but like I may have heard "Smells Like Teen Spirit" before I heard sorry, heard "Smells Like Nirvana" yeah. before I heard "Smells Like Teen Spirit." <laughs> yeah, and no, I said the same kind of thing on the podcast. Yeah, certainly exactly. some of the stuff that like in retrospect, assuming you have to hear you say that like his original music was. Um, I, mean, I guess underrated was my question and not better, but you know, I've heard other people you know, sing the praises of, of his original music and it did nothing for me because I didn't even appreciate the, like, I didn't even know the genre that he was like, I just, I had no idea what he was like even going for with those. So it was purely just a question of like, how silly is the song and no, no appreciation of the underlying like artistic intent behind it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a different lens when you're, when you're that age, you know another good one off that album is uh, Talk Soup. They remember the the uh, the show Talk Soup. It was supposed to be they commissioned him to write the theme song, and uh, then he he made it, and uh, then they they were like, oh, we're gonna go a different way. So then he just ended up putting on the album. But it's a great song. I'm surprised they didn't go with it as the uh, theme song. Uh, so what what does your poker playing, if any, look like these days? Um, not much. I mean, kind of as Nate said, live poker. I haven't been at that in, in several years now. You know, I'll fire up online every once in a while, but I haven't really been playing that much. It's kind of, especially um, in the solver age, and I feel like I haven't really put in um, the time necessary it's kind of like when the more you know about something and the more you realize, you know, how little, you know, and, uh, it reminds me of, uh, like one time I watched a documentary about, uh, Scrabble players, professional Scrabble players <laughs> and the kind of how insane they are, you know, uh, and, and is this, that. this word wars. I'm actually, yes. just I'm actually just rewatching that. Like I'm like halfway through it, uh, as of last night, strange coincidence. Yeah. Whoa, it's that's... <laughs> I love Word Wars. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great. I mean, for what it is, for for uh, it's extremely engrossing for just like a, a documentary about Scrabble players. It's on Tubi. Uh, if you want to check it out, that streaming that free streaming service Tubi. But like, there's a lot of poker in there. Like people like going a long way where the the expected value of the money they can win is like yeah, like people without much money taking a trip and staying in a hotel. And if they win the tournament, they'll make like 800 bucks or something like that. Right, like, right. Definitely like, then like he's huge, like casino ballrooms with tables set up. There's a lot of poker energy in that movie too, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, what is it, 25 grand, the prize at the end that he went yeah, for the, the national the, tournament? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The best, yeah, yeah. The best Scrabble player in the whole country. But anyway, I was just going to say that, um, you know, you, 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 that, makes me not want to play Scrabble ever again. <laughs> you know, I basically <laughs> haven't. I basically haven't played Scrabble at all. Cause I just like, oh man, I just I'm not willing to it's like, well, maybe if I'm either gonna go all in and 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 be a Scrabble player or I'm not gonna play at all. You know what I mean? And uh I guess it's maybe it's kind of what I'm thinking with 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 poker is like, oh I really need to dive into the solvers and put the time, you know, before I really, you know, um, invest a lot of time in playing again. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. 
I had um, I told Alex we'd keep him about an hour, so I wanted to give you all a chance if you had any last questions for him. I don't, I don't. Um, but this was a um, a fun fun conversation. So um, yeah, it was it was so fun to hear you guys uh, talk about old times earlier too. Well, thanks for having me back on too. That was it's, it's fun to be back behind the microphone. Yeah, Nate, is there anything that you wanted to um to tell people while you're here? No, I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, um, I'm sure everyone's happy to hear your voice. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to be talking to everyone. I don't know. The podcast is great. I really miss it. You guys are all awesome. Thanks, audience. You know, <laughs> it's, I, I I get emails sometimes and so on. It's like you guys have a really great audience and uh, uh, still still proud of what the show is and uh, very happy to have left it in in more capable hands than I had. So. Okay, so Alex, we've got Al Palooza, we've got Word Wars. Um, is there anything else that you want to recommend to to people? It doesn't have to be poker related. Just things that you pe- do you think people should watch or read or listen to? Oh boy, um, uh, we stopped him. Yes. <laughs> you know what? Um, well, I'm enjoying the show. I, I've enjoyed the show Mythic Quest on Apple Apple Plus. That's a, that's a really good show. It's about uh, uh, it's kind of like an office comedy, but it's about um, in like a um, World of Warcraft type uh, environment of one of those. Oh, that, that's quite the mashup. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's made by the Sunny and Philadelphia guys. If you like that, oh, yes, uh, I've actually Matt, Mac is the main guy. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've actually been getting back into uh, Always Sunny. I felt like it had gone down for a while, and I stopped watching it. And then I have a Hulu subscription right now, so I've like watched a couple of the newer episodes, and, and uh, they were surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunny Philadelphia, great show. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll I'll be honest. I'm going back and watching some of the old Sandler movies. Yeah, check out Adam Sandler. You know, he's he's gotten a bad rap, I think. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So maybe the new one, Hubie Halloween. It's a good time. Chuck it on. It's a good time. Okay, that's it. <laughs> well, thank you for doing this, Alex. It was uh, very interesting talking to you. We appreciate you taking the time. Okay. Uh, thanks, thanks a lot for having me, guys. I, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for coming back, Nate. Yeah. Hey, thank yeah. you all. All right, take care, everybody. Oh, wait. Can I... Oh, please. Go go ahead. Ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Can I put it out? Should I uh, follow me on uh, oh, yes. Twitter yeah. if, you, if you want? Uh, who is Alex Jacob? And uh, schooloftrivia.com if you want to check out the uh, Trivia League. And uh, yeah, sorry, that's it. Just want to get into my no, 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 I, I should have been more explicit. I, I meant for that to be part of... Uh, when I asked, like, I mean, this, I meant some of that to be like recommend your own things, but yeah, I should have said. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should have picked up on that. I was like, oh man, I gotta recommend. Well, no, I, I did yeah. also want you to recommend other things. It was just, um, but yeah, I, okay. I should have just been. Fair enough. It. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yes, thank you. Uh, who was Alex Jacob? And uh, I enjoy following you on there. Actually, that's a good. Let me ask you one more thing. Um, why? Why are uh, Jeopardy personality is such good Twitter follows. I feel like you and um, Holtzauer and uh, yeah, Ken. Yeah, I, I, he in particular, I feel like is uh, tired, yeah. <laughs> he just well, no. I mean, he just cranks him out. Yeah. I mean, uh, 
he's been he's been cranking them out for for years i i don't have uh every once in a while i feel like i'll come up with something that's okay it's a, it's a, it's an okay joke but um he they can't live up to uh how prolific he is with that. i don't know i mean i guess it's just uh smart people who are I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways it's like an opposite kind of intelligence. Like the the not that this is necessarily true, but like the, the stereotype of a trivia person could be someone who just like just knows facts and isn't good at right. presenting um, information in sort of like a witty or clever way or like drawing connections be- between things, which is I feel like what Twitter rewards. And when I think of like a good tweet, that's what I have in mind. Sure, sure. I think Alex does a bit of that with um, the School of Trivia. Like that that question about the uh, the horses earlier was pretty um, cleverly uh, worded. And the way he worded it will definitely make me remember that. And to me, that, that definitely doesn't sound like stiff. Like it sounds like you're describing uh, for – like you know the stereotypical um, trivia guy, so I don't. Right, I don't, no, know I, I don't why. mean to imply that Alex is stiff. I mean, like, <laughs> one one might naively think that a trivia person would be stiff. Uh, yet Alex and many other Jeopardy trivia personalities are not. What do we make of that? Yeah, I think Alex just pours his into School of Trivia as opposed to Twitter. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, you know, while we're on the subject, uh, Andrew, you're, you are a voice for good on Twitter and I just want to say, uh, appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Alex. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Take care. Okay. See you guys later. Okay, guys. Some kind of pill Or the devotion of a car I'm alive The fair passage of a bill And who will sign us into law I know you won't